Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House. All this week, we are playing the evening sermons from the recent 2022 Bible Conference in Prescott, Arizona. We will resume our regular schedule this coming Saturday. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. really do want to thank all of you that have participated this week. Wonderful to see all of you that have been here and uh, every single one of you that have uh, uh, joined with us in financing of this conference and investing in world evangelism. I'm very grateful everyone online as well that you participated in giving. God bless you and we're going to hear great reports of all that God has done from this conference. Thank God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. I want to minister on the uh, final night of conference. There is a term, it's called mission drift. Mission drift is uh, defined as when changes are made over time that cause an organization to be focused on things that look Nothing like the original vision is a great example. That is Harvard University. Harvard University was founded in 1636, and its stated mission was to instruct students to know God and Jesus Christ. And actually, part of it was to raise up preachers. But today, Harvard University has no ties to its original Christian roots. In fact, in 1987, the president of Harvard University acknowledged the school had strayed far from the original vision. They were now a completely secular university and said there is no option of ever turning back to the way that we started. Using that as an illustration in The scripture we're going to read, I I asked Brian to sing that song, You Are Holy. It's based on the verse that we're going to read. At a crucial time in the nation's history, Isaiah has a vision. And this vision will form the foundations of serving God and fulfilling God's will. And I believe that this is true for you and I. I'm going to preach about visionary foundations from Isaiah 6, starting at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet. With two he flew and he cried to one another, or one cried to another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. The house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which uh, he had taken uh, with the tongs from the altar, and 
and iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me visionary foundations. There are three visions that Isaiah had that every single person is going to have to have for yourself, and we must have this as a fellowship. Let's begin. Let's talk about a vision of God. Our text begins with a vision of God. Verse 1, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. This is actually where everything must begin and must remain focused. It is on God. To Isaiah and the nation, every problem that they were facing, the vision of God was the answer to literally everything that they would face. That is true for you and I. I want to say to you, our church services must have a vision of God. Over time, we can, if we're not careful, put confidence and emphasis in the wrong things, thinking that they are the key. Do you see this beautiful building? Not the key to revival. You see these beautiful screens? Not the key to revival. Visuals, professionalism, information, those do not change people's lives. In our text, Isaiah met God. There was a supernatural encounter, and that made all of the difference. Verse 4, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. When Isaiah had a supernatural encounter with God, something changed. Isaiah was convicted. Isaiah was encouraged. Isaiah, he gained direction and calling for his life. In our services, we must contend for the manifest presence of God. I am not talking about God's omnipresence. The Lord is everywhere. That's great but we want him to be doing something. A wise old man uh, uh, preached one time and said to my father, if God could be here and we not know it, that means he could leave here and we would not know it. So the way that we know it is if God does something. Solomon, in the dedication of the temple, the glory of the Lord came down like a cloud, and everyone knew it. The book of Acts says the fear of the Lord fell, and Jesus was magnified. Listen, in our song services, in our preaching, in the altar calls, people must see God, they must encounter God, and they must be changed by God. See, our preaching also must have a vision of God. Every preacher, please notice this. Notice the order. Isaiah saw the Lord... And then he saw himself. That is the correct order of preaching. 
It is showing people God, and then they will see themselves. Listen, preaching is not all about people. This is the mistake that, that preachers make. They read their Bibles, and as they're reading, they're going, oh, oh, oh yeah, that'll get him. Oh, yes, oh, that's going to nail her. Listen, people are in the Bible, but the Bible is a book about God. Preaching first and foremost is showing people who God is. God help us if preaching uh, uh, defaults to lists of things people are doing wrong. Open your Bibles. I'm going to tell you three things wrong with you this morning. If you come back tonight, I'm going to tell you another three, three, three things wrong with you. If all you have is telling people what's wrong with them, that's guilt and that is not an effective motivator. It has a short shelf life. Listen simply telling people what is wrong with them is not what is attractive. A man named Peter Youngren, he preaches crusades in Muslim and Hindu nations. It's incredible. In places where they're absolutely against the gospel, he will have these massive gospel crusades. And Peter Youngren says... I don't have to preach and tell you how bad Buddha is or Muhammad is. I preach and tell people how wonderful my Jesus is. Did you hear our brother's report, Jason? Sanchez, when he was reporting, he says at a gas station uh, here with a Muslim, he's preaching and he said, that's what my Jesus can do. Because that's our calling. Preaching is not self-help. Try harder. You need to try harder. Do more. We preach the gospel, the good news, that God, He can change people's lives. Philippians 2.13 in the New Century Version says, Because God is working in you to help you want to do and then be able to do what pleases Him. Please notice here that Isaiah personally had a vision of God. And that made all the difference to him. Every single person here, every single person watching online, it is your responsibility to gain a vision of God for yourself. You must, in prayer and the Word of God, for yourself gain a vision of God. My wife was 15 years old when she was saved in the city of Perth. Her parents were not saved, a lot of turmoil at home. She would go see Pastor Mitchell, you know, my dad, and Pastor Mitchell would say, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to come to church. She'd go away, more problem, Pastor Mitchell, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible, you need to come to church, over and over again. But I want to tell you, that was wise words, because that has been the pattern of our life. We moved to Johannesburg, South Africa in 1997. We moved from nice, safe Australia to Johannesburg, South Africa, where the violence was the crime off the charts in the paper every day, violence and murder and rape. And my wife, she's coming in and her head is spinning, but she daily has a vision of God. 
reading her Bible and praying, came in one day. She said, Greg, God spoke to me today as I was reading my Bible. Look at this. God made it real to me. Fear not, for I have much people in this city, and no one shall harm you. That from that time on, we lived without fear. We went in the worst areas because we had a vision of God for ourselves. That is your job. David, the Bible says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. I'll just throw this in for free to every pastor. Pastor, don't fall into the trap in thinking your job is to sort out people's problems. People will come for counseling. They're pastors. They're like, I have to fix this. My job is not to sort out your problems. My job is to show you and help you get in touch with God. So you get people, they want to say, I need help in my marriage. I need help in my fight. I need... Have you prayed about this? No. Do you have any relationship with God? No. That's not fair. You want me to be God. That's not my job. My job is to show you God. There is a difference. And so we see here, the first foundation that we have to have is a vision of God. Second vision is a vision of ourselves. Verse 5, Isaiah sees himself. So I said, woe is me, I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was convicted when he got a vision of God. This is necessary and healthy. He was convicted of his own sinfulness. Because that is foundational to God's will being done in our lives and in our churches. Conversions only happen by conviction of sin. I have, through the years, I've heard altar calls that are incredible in their lameness. <laughs> I've heard altar calls that go like this. You know, Christians, know, they know how to have fun too. That's why we had this concert tonight. How many here want to receive Jesus? What does that mean? You want to believe in Jesus. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus' first message was, repent. Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people were saved. Pastor Mitchell used to teach us, you cannot get people saved until you first get them lost. That is the job in preaching. I said this is the balance before. Not every sermon is self-help and three things wrong with you, but all my preacher brothers, pastors have to preach fearlessly about sin. And you will feel pressure and intimidation to not offend. You don't want to lose people. You don't want to lose money. But John the Baptist, he boldly said, it's not right that you have your brother's wife. Paul preached to Felix, a man who has his life in his hands, and he preached about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. And the Bible said Felix trembled. 
Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Through the years, I saw Pastor Mitchell preach sometimes on sin or preach on money. And he would feel our resistance. That didn't intimidate him or think, I'm just going to preach on grace instead. No, he would come back at night and preach again harder. Because conviction must be at work in this. Our text gives a very healthy balance of preaching. Preaching is knowing who God is and knowing who we are. Isaiah is a prophet. He is God's man, but he sees his own sinfulness. Do you know it's possible to drift along and assume that we are right with God? Because we're in church. Wouldn't be in church if we're not right in God, with God, right? I must be right with God because I'm involved in church. I'm in ministry. Because I do things for God. Our text says it is a very healthy thing to come into God's presence and ask God to show us ourselves and assess our own hearts. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. This is what conference is. I pray That when you came into conference, your attitude was, God, speak to me this week. Show me things about myself that I need to know so that I can show you to others. This text has a very practical revelation of uncleanness, and that is unclean lips. Verse 5, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Do you know that it's possible to claim the love of Jesus and have lips from hell? Have a tongue, as James said, set on fire of hell. James 3, 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. 
among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is set on fire by hell. The house of God, we gather in the presence of God. I dare say there are people while you're there listening to the sermons and then you went out in donut break and you gossiped and slandered and attacked your brothers and your fellow preachers. Why are they doing that? How come they, I don't think, you know, I think his marriage is bad. I don't know, there's something bad about it. He's a little sus, I think. Holy. How many people, their tongues are set on the fire of hell of unbelief. In the prayer room, they're crying out, oh God, save the people of our city. God, save our family. And then they walk out, you know, they're all devils. Oh, the people of our city, all religious, you know they are. Sinful, wicked. Deuteronomy 128, our brothers have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller the way the cities are great and fortified. And we've seen the sons of the giants. Here's a thought. How much different would our churches be? How much different would our pastors be? If pastors and people had lips that were cleansed. Verse 7, and he touched my mouth with it saying, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Let's look at one final thought. The final vision is a vision of calling. Verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. This is actually what conference is all about. Conference is not about how can we have, have you got a few tips? Ideas have you got? Conference is all about calling. This is foundational. Because this is not a program. The heart of God is for the lost Those who are lost, those who are lost in this life, Jesus looked at the crowd and said he was moved because he saw them like sheep having no shepherd. Our God looks down from heaven in our cities and he sees people addicted and rejected and guilty and tormented. He sees broken relationships and broken homes. People have no idea of how to be a a good husband or wife or mother or father. This is not a program. There are people who are lost for eternity. Luke 16, Jesus gives us a glimpse into hell. It's not, not like hell is sort of like. No, there was a man and those awesome words... More than 2,000 years later, we can read the rich man, and it says these words, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. That man is in hell right now. And that is what this is all about. God wants the lost to be saved. Our text says 
God's work in the earth is accomplished through people. Our text has a glorious vision. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then it is almost as though there is a pause. God who is holy and awesome and powerful. But then there is a pause and the question comes, but who will go for us? Our awesome God is not just going to save because he is awesome. He is not going to touch the world without us. The old saying, without God we cannot, but without people, God will not. So this is the great need, is people who can hear God's call. Verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is what we've heard all week long, isn't that right? Pastor Campbell giving the challenge, do you hear the call? Who is going to reach India? You've heard Pastor Tory, Pastor Stevens, different ones over and over again, Pastor Ruby have talked about the call because this is the need and there has to be a response of surrender. Then I said, verse 8, here am I, send me. Because, listen, calling is foundational to our fellowship. From time to time, there are people, you know, there are people there, they're not giving, they're not praying, they're not witnessing. That's a calling problem. You assume it's because you somehow wound up with the most evil people in the universe, in your church. It's like, no one wants to do the work. That's a calling problem. Calling is so foundational. We are not just a random collection of Christians who gather occasionally if it's convenient. Around the Prescott Church here, they say uh, in, uh, I don't remember, in the next how many years they're building so many houses, they're bringing in 100,000 people to this area. That's wonderful. One little downside of that is we get a whole bunch of people who moved here and they're already Christians, and so they come visit us. They're not here because of calling, they're shopping. And they come in and they go, are these seats comfortable enough? I don't know. I think maybe that screen's a little too bright for me. That music, I know, that's just not my style. What kind of programs do you have for the children, for left-handed people who part their hair on the right? What? <laughs> that is not the foundation of our fellowship. God help you if you're building your church on church shoppers. You know what is the foundation of our fellowship is you come to, some of you came to conference, you had no idea you were going to do anything different. But you saw the Lord. You saw yourself and then you heard a call. Who will go for us? That is foundation. That's the job of every preacher is we are to preach vision. Listen, I did not become a disciple. I did not surrender my life because Pastor Mitchell stood up, said, you bunch of lazy losers. Are you going to do something for God? There used to be people, they were on fire. Now you're cold and dead. 
No, 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 that's not what he did. Oh, my father would preach vision and he would talk about the laws and he would say, who is going to go? You heard him in the video last night. Yes. Because when there are people who hear the call of God, whether that is to preach the gospel or to be a missionary or whether it is to surrender their life in service in the local church, that is foundational to our entire fellowship is people who reorient. Listen, vision is no good unless there's a response. And response is not simply come to the altar. My question is, what's going to happen when you go home tomorrow? There are pastors that are here. God spoke to you. Are your hours going to change? There's disciples here. Is your financial decisions going to change? Time. It has to be a practical. We have people who have left their plans, their careers, their dreams, businesses, family involvements because they heard the call of God. That is what makes all the difference. I close this story. A man named Simeon Nzebambe. He became a Christian in Uganda in 1922. He felt the call to preach, but he struggled with what he called an inner emptiness of soul. He longed to know the power of God. He heard a medical missionary named Joseph Church, Joe Church, he heard him speak about surrendering all and coming out for Jesus Christ. He said to Joe Church, I know there is something missing in me. I know there's something missing in the churches in Uganda. What is it? And Joe Church told him about the filling of the Holy Spirit. After several days of prayer and Bible study with Joe Church, God got a hold of Simeon and Zimbabwe, and the change was visible and it was permanent. He quit his job and devoted himself full-time to preaching and renewal. When Joseph Church returned to Kampala several months after meeting this man, he was confronted by an irate missionary who demanded of him, what have you done to Nsabambe? And he said, what's the problem? He said, he's gone mad and is going around everywhere asking people if they're saved. Sounds like he's from the potter's house. (laughs) He just left from preaching to my gardener because he had had a vision of God and had surrendered. Revival fires began to blaze. One of the marks of the revival was conviction of sin. God would get a hold of people about their coldness, about their sinful lifestyles. They said a new kind of African Christian was born. They called these people the Abaka, those on fire. And teams of revivalists carried the flames, not only throughout Uganda, but to neighboring countries in East Africa. They called them the Balakole, the saved ones. When Simeon and Zimbabwe died in 1978, they estimate that tens of millions through his lifetime had come to saving faith in Jesus Christ in Uganda and throughout East Africa. You know what happened to that man? 
he saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, he saw himself. And then he saw calling. And he said, God, I'm in. That is what I want. And I declare to you, those three visions must be at work in every single one of us. Every person in the seats, every pastor. And if we will remain true, that's of course not all that we do in the fellowship, but those are three powerful foundations. If we will hold to that, God help us if someday we'd be like Harvard University. Yeah, I know about the fellowship. Yeah, they used to be on fire. But then they turned away. They got into funky doctrines and, and now they're cold and dead and doing, God forbid. No, no, what I say is let's keep on with visionary foundations, amen. Thank God. Amen, let's bow our heads. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.